0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
1: Couple game fives are upon us. A couple teams with their backs against the wall. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Make sure your family's well taken care of with life insurance. Protect your phones, laptops, and more with electronic device insurance, and cover your furry friends with pet health insurance. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So we've got Heat Knicks uh, tipping off in a little under 30 minutes from now. Lakers Warriors will tip off at 10 p.m. Eastern. We are going to get you ready for both of those games. But let's start off the show talking about my Miami Heat and the New York Knicks. Uh, The Knicks, they have not been good, Joe. They have not been good in this series. Certainly offensively, the Knicks – have completely lacked offense, scoring under 100 points per game through the first four games. The Miami Heat, frankly, haven't been phenomenal either offensively, and yet this is a very lopsided series because the way that the Knicks have been playing.
2: The Knicks have been terrible, absolutely terrible. Here's some context. Miami is shooting 43% from the floor in this series, 43%. If that's what they shot during the regular season, as their regular season average, it would rank dead last in the NBA. Miami is shooting 31% from three-point range in this series. If that's what they shot during the regular season, that would rank dead last in the NBA. And despite those horrific shooting numbers, they have a 3-1 series lead, three victories by seven or more points, and one loss in which the Knicks had to scratch and claw for the win, despite the fact that Jimmy Butler didn't play. I wouldn't be surprised if things unraveled tonight and the Boo Birds came out at the Garden. I think it could get that bad because this is the game where the Knicks should step up and show some spine, but they have just been getting outworked, out-hustled, outplayed at every single turn in this series.
1: Now, the Knicks have won three of their four playoff games this postseason at Madison Square Garden, so being back there tonight certainly will be helpful to them. We know that that crowd matters when it comes to the Knicks, but you mentioned it. They had to scratch and claw there to get the one win that they did get in this series, and that was with Jimmy Butler sitting on the sidelines watching this game. Jimmy Butler, for his part, hasn't really looked like himself. Again, Jimmy Butler against the bucks he ain't that dude right now because he's been battling through the ankle injury. He has yet to crack 30 points in this series. The Knicks also have their own issues when it comes to injuries. We know that Julius Randle has been dealing with this ankle issue since what? the pre, Well, since really the end of the regular season, but since game one, he, when he missed some time as well. So he's been dealing with his own issues in terms of ankle injuries. It's just that the Knicks around him also, though, so ineffective. Jalen Brunson has struggled shooting the ball in this series. It seems like a matchup nightmare for Brunson, even though he actually is healthy. Emmanuel, quickly, he's going to be out for this game, we found out. So the injury bug has bitten both of these teams. It's just that nobody on New York seems to be able to weather the storm.
2: I think that's one of the problems. I think the other problem that's about to rear its ugly head is that I think there's a rift in the locker room between Julius Randle and head coach Tom Thibodeau. Maybe there's not. But after that last loss where Miami went up three games to one, Randle was asked about what's going on. And basically he says this, quote, Maybe they want it more. I don't know. And Tibbs apparently had a major problem with that commentary. Major problem. Now, R.J. Barrett comes out and says, quote, we got to get back to being the tough physical team that we've been. Take care of the defensive boards and take care of the ball better. If we can clean that up, we have a good chance. Those aren't problems you should be having in the second round of the playoffs. Like, if your motto, if your identity, if your core ethos is a tough, physical defensive-minded team, which is what Tom Thibodeau's teams have pretty much been forever, if you're getting away from that in the second round of the playoffs, you are lost. There are things that can go wrong. Maybe we're just knocking down our threes. Maybe we've been a little careless with the ball. But if you're supposed to be a tough, hardworking, blue-collar team, and you're getting out toughed out out out-blue-collared, out-hard-worked by the other team, and I know a lot of that isn't actually proper grammar, but bear with me, then you're toast. And I think that's what's going to happen tonight. I know that the Knicks are supposed to show up. I think the second things go south, you might see some guys hanging heads. You might hear the boo birds, and that could be it as Miami gets some extra rest getting ready for the Philadelphia-Boston winner.
1: You mentioned Julius Randle there. He is averaging a double-double in this series, 18.3 points, 11.7 rebounds per game against the Heat. The problem is that he's shooting only 43.5% from the field, about 22% from behind the arc against that Heat defense. Defensively, the Heat still have appeared pretty elite here in this postseason. We know that's typically the Heat's bread and butter. Offensively, they don't look that great either because, again, Jimmy Butler, he, but he's also not having to do the historic thing that we saw him have no. to do against the Bucks. Like, he's getting a like Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry. They're giving him just enough, and that's all you need because the Knicks aren't bothering to break 100 points. So there's only so much scoring that he'd have to do. They're averaging almost 107 points. I mean, it's not much more than the Knicks are scoring in this series, but they don't have to be averaging more than that.
2: They're just hustling. There was a stat we showed on daily wager earlier today for the whole playoffs, uh, loose balls, second chance points. It's like all the key hustle stats. Miami's number one in the postseason in all of them. That's the heat culture. You and all Miami fans are always talking about. You're yes. probably never going to be the most talented team overall. OK, you might not be the highest scoring team, but you're going to be the hardest working team. You're going to be the toughest team. And in a matchup against New York, they're doomed because that's their identity. You're just doing it much, much better.
1: Now, the Heat have covered the spread seven Times seven times in each of their last seven games, they have cut co- Like that is a betters' dream, right? That they have covered the spread seven times. Not in a row. this Isn't better.
2: That- I've bet against several of those, so I've well, got to learn my lesson problem. at some point here. <laughs> seven <laughs> but times they, they've in a row been... and you're
1: still betting against them.
2: Well, it was mostly in the Milwaukee series. I kept saying, "All right, this is eventually going to end. Milwaukee's going to turn it around." And I kind of rode that into the grave. And I was like, "Maybe I want to back away from betting against the Heat," and uh I did, but I didn't turn the faucet on and start betting on them. So. It has not worked out. This has not been a good team to me this postseason. We'll just
1: it uh, has not been. We'll see if if the tides change for you tonight again nicks heat or heat nicks rather i should say because they're back up in new york at madison square garden game five that tips tonight just about 20 minutes from now so throughout joe and amber we're taking you up until 9 30 p.m eastern tonight we are taking you up into the coverage of lakers warriors so we will keep you updated on heat nicks all the way through the show joe does have a little bit betting advice though
3: pizza money alert
1: pizza pizza
2: Not a lot going on last night. We were three and three down 0.2 units. So overall, the show is 108 victories, 97 defeats, plus 15.94 units. We've got three bets in this Miami game tonight. They all kind of go hand in hand, so pay attention. Bet number one, heat plus three and a half. Bet number two, Miami on the money line. That means they're going to win it outright. That's plus 130. And bet number three, first half under minus, it's uh, 107 points. First half under not going over 107 points. We'll start there. All four games in this series, we haven't seen more than 105 points in any of the first halves. You might get a 60 point first quarter. Operative word might. But the second quarter in this series is where scoring goes to die. And I don't see that changing tonight. So first half under 107 points. As for the other two, Knicks are cooked. Miami's not even shooting well. 43% from the field, 31% from deep, as Amber and I mentioned. Those stats would rank dead last in the NBA if they were your regular season numbers, and somehow that's enough for a 3-1 series lead. I don't see the Knicks showing a whole lot of spine for four quarters tonight. I think maybe they do early, but eventually Miami gets them, and the Heat win this game. So your first three pizza monies of the night, Heat on the money line, plus 130, Heat plus the points, plus three and a half. First half under, 107 points.
1: The thing is, the Knicks have been shooting even worse, <laughs> even though Miami's not shooting well in this Terrible. series. Knicks also shooting 43% from the field. They're shooting 28% roughly from behind the arc. That is not going to win you many games in today's NBA. I'm a little bit nervous, though, now that you're going with the Heat. Like, I don't, I don't like that. You've been betting against the Heat this entire time. It's she's been calling me a mush, ladies and gentlemen. Season, she's long. calling me a mush. Now you're going with them. I don't like it. I don't like the juju that you're sending our way. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber. What will it take for the Lakers to close out the Warriors tonight? We will get into that series. Joe and Amber on ESPN radio. ESPN radio is on the ESPN app.
2: Out blue collared, out hard work.
3: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base.
1: Previously on Joe and Amber, Dave McMenamin joining us here on Joe and Amber. And Dave, I'm glad that you uh, cleared uh, things up. Uh, what's, what's my name? Dave McMenamin. I know that didn't come out very properly. I'm a little under the weather, Get her, Dave. Dave. I'm sorry. I like. I, I yeah. I apologize. Anyways, yes, you're right to correct me there. ESPN NBA reporter Dave McMenamin. Dave, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Very well done there. Thank <laughs> you.
1: I nailed it that time. I nailed it.
2: Dave uh, quietly erasing this number from his phone so he never picks up again. And, right, no kidding.
1: and yet he has picked up again. He is daring to come back here on Joe and Amber. I'm not sick tonight, so I don't know if I'll have an excuse. We'll see how this interview goes. Of course, Lakers Warriors game five is tonight. That is a 10 p.m. tip off. We are taking you up to the coverage of that game right here on ESPN radio until 9 30 PM Eastern. So a little bonus Joe and Amber coming at you in the nine o'clock hours, but let's go ahead and do it. Let's bring bring See, see, now I got the agenda. Let's bring in Dave McMenamin, but I nailed your name, Dave. I nailed it this time. Let's bring in Dave McMenamin covers the Lakers, of course, ESPN, NBA reporter, Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I, I think I've often said nobody heard it and there's no proof of it, but I think I often said Lonnie Walker, the fourth is really the key here to the Lakers taking a commanding (laughs) series lead. We could have certainly all seen it coming. Who is going to step up tonight? Who is going to be the Lonnie Walker or did the Lakers need that sort of boost tonight from one of their role players?
3: Well, I think it's gonna take more than a role player performance as fantastic as it was from Lonnie in game four him scoring all the fifteen points in the fourth quarter. I think the team defensive effort would be the only chance the Lakers have tonight. Uh, we saw what happened in game two. The Warriors responded, losing in their building in game one with just a avalanche of pressure and energy. And in really that game, while the Lakers at one point made a bit of a run, it felt like it was the, la- the Warriors' night from tip off. And for the Lakers to avoid that tonight, they're going to have to, you know, obviously in-, in game two, you think back, LeBron started off hot, had 14 points in the first quarter. It was a game through the first quarter and a half, and then the Warriors score 85 points between the second and third quarters uh, combined. And, and it- night's over, the Lakers already resting their guys, preparing for game three. For that not to happen, the Lakers are going to have to control the pace, take care of the basketball, make sure the Warriors aren't getting multiple efforts on the offensive side by hitting the glass. you got to get those defensive rebounds. Um, and work through your big guns. You know, I, I, as, as much as a performance like Lonnie would be welcome, um, you know, this is the type of game. This is why LeBron James and Anthony Davis both get paid $35 million, you, you, to go into the opposing arena and, and win when the odds are You know, even though you're up 3-1 in the series, the odds are stacked against the Lakers tonight.
2: Two-part question regarding the Warriors roster. Game four, we saw Steve Kerr start Gary Payton, the second, to try to switch things up. Any idea what the starting lineup's going to look like tonight? And number two, what's going to be the role for Jordan Poole? It feels like he's being phased out of this series. He played a playoff low 10 minutes in game four.
3: Jordan Poole was unplayable uh, in game four. There's a reason why he got... So little minutes. He was pretty good in Game One of this series. Obviously, he missed the shot at the end um, that that could have tied it, but he, he gave them a moment there, right? Um, I, I'm, you know, if I'm Steve Curry, you only have so many options uh, here. I think Gary Payton Jr. was or the second was very effective. Um, his ability to move without the basketball really opened up options for Steph Curry with Steph playing point guard in, in that game and. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't go with that lineup again. Obviously, they've used different lineups with Looney starting, which are Michael Green starting. Um, but, you know, if, if I am the coach, and I'm not, obviously, but if I'm Steve Kerr, I like what I saw in like Gary Payton II. I would go back to that. Um, but but Poole right now, if you don't play him, right, you're going to give your minutes to maybe a Moses Moody, maybe a Dante DiVincenzo, both those guys. They are solid, but I don't think they have the ceiling that, that a Jordan Poole does. When Jordan Poole gets going, he can give you twenty five points. Um, you know, I, I think that's gonna be a decision that Steve has to make based on, you know, probably like some hard conversations with Jordan Poole to see where he's at mentally going into this pivotal game.
1: Yeah, when and if Jordan Poole ever gets going. Dave McMenamin joining us here on Joe and Amber. It's not just Poole, though. I think we focus on him because of the gaudy contract. It's not just Poole, though. It feels like the Warriors haven't been able to find consistent offense from anybody not named Steph Curry Tell me about how effective you think the Lakers have been in shutting down Steph Curry, because I feel like that has allowed them to really key in on Curry. They've given a lot of defensive looks against Curry, and although Steph Curry is still Steph Curry, he hasn't had one of those monster, legendary scoring performances in the series yet.
3: I mean, yeah, he hasn't been nuclear, uh, but he's been very good. Um, Steph hasn't been their problem you know, Clay Thompson's been up and down. He was excellent in game two, hitting eight threes, leading them to victory. He was terrible in, in game four. Um, I, I think some combination, just like I was talking about Anthony Davis and LeBron on the Lakers side of the thing, it, it's for the Warriors. It is Steph and Clay should be providing the lion's share of the offense there. Uh, and then, you know, again, the rest of their team is basically role players. It, you want to get those offensive rebounds from Kevon Looney to give them extra looks. You want – Draymond Green, to, to be taking charges, to be getting long defensive rebounds, running the secondary break, playing point forward, uh, maybe even getting you know, having some extracurricular activity to get under the skin of the Lakers players to affect the game in, in that manner. Um, and then, again, we mentioned the other guys. You know, Moody's had some moments in these playoffs. Devin had some moments in these playoffs. Those guys, the Warriors want to be shooting, that's their game plan, 53s. Uh, a game in this series. Uh, you can't expect that Stephen player to get all the 20 to 25 makes that they, they want to get. Um, so y- you need some of those role players, uh Jermichael green to hit some threes for them as well.
1: We only have about 20 seconds left, but I wanted to ask you, do you think we're going to get another big game from AD? Cause he was doing the disappearing act every other game. He kind of cleaned that up there in game four.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'll push back a little bit on the disappearing act, uh, the, the guy, the Lakers are 7-3 and three in the playoffs. Uh, if it was really a disappearing act, they would not have that type of record thus far. And defensively, the metrics are off the charts, uh, and that's game-to-game. Game. Uh, so, you know, the, the Lakers don't view it like that, that he's had any sort of disappearing act. He's consistently taking about the same amount of shots in the games, uh, you know, when he doesn't necessarily make them. Like, it's a miss-or-make league, but... Uh, I, I certainly believe Anthony Davis will come with the requisite focus and effort, and you know. but they're going to need more than just him. Uh, LeBron hasn't had like a classic LeBron game yet this series as well. So when we talk about Steph, maybe tonight for LeBron to really break through
1: for this team. Yeah, maybe this will be the classic LeBron game. Dave McMenamin, how shocked are you? I didn't mess up your name once during this interview, Dave. That's pretty good. I'm on a streak. ESPN NBA reporter, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. That was Dave McMenamin. So again, the Lakers, Warriors, that tips off tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern tip-off. We are taking you up until the coverage of that because that game will be here. On ESPN Radio, the coverage of that will start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. We will also continue to keep you up to date on Heat-Knicks. That game tipping off in just about five minutes from now. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, we are going to sound on and sound off anything that you might have missed sound-wise in the last 24 hours.
0: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
1: Joe and Amber. You can find him on social at Joe Fortball. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can also tell your smart speakers to play ESPN radio to listen to us. It is that simple right now. Heat Nick's tipping off. We will keep you up to date on that game. You get Lakers Warriors later tonight. That is a 10 p.m. tip off. But right now on Joe and Amber, let's sound on sound off.
0: They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on,
3: sound off with Joe and Amber.
1: Jordan Love spoke to the media today. He talked about what he learned sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for the past three years. And when he learned he was finally going to be the Packers starting quarterback. Packers fans haven't had much uncertainty at the quarterback position over the last 30 years or so. And Louis Riddick says he's optimistic about Love's development.
3: I think it's fair to expect growing pains, but I believe if you look at the past two years and watch Jordan Love throw the ball, you watch his pocket presence, his ability to in particular throw the football in the middle of the field from number to number. He's got as good of anticipation, ball placement, as you'll see in a young quarterback. You just have not seen it a whole lot. So if you're Green Bay right now, from a front office perspective, you're going, there's going to be some bumps in the road early. Just expect it, bite the bullet and expect it. But as this thing gets going and these guys start to gel, you could be setting yourselves
1: up real nice
3: in Green Bay. I'm telling you, I'm more optimistic than pessimistic.
1: James Deal.
2: Yeah, so Joe, how much optimism should there be about Jordan Love entering this season? For this season, not a whole lot. You know me, being here in Vegas, I'm always going to look to the bookmakers before just about anything else because I think that's a great indicator of how teams are valued and how teams are power-rated. Right now in the NFC, the teams that have worse odds to win the conference than the Packers, Rams, okay, Falcons, Panthers, Bucks, Commanders, Cardinals. Cardinals won't have Kyler Murray due to injury. Washington's quarterback situation is a mess. Tampa's quarterback situation is a mess. Carolina's going with a rookie. Atlanta's going with Desmond Ritter. The Rams are in salary cap hell. Those are the teams they're ranked ahead of. Notice I didn't mention the Lions, Vikings, or Bears. Three teams that share the division with them, all rated higher in terms of odds. So if you're the Packers, you better hope you're optimistic. But the reason they didn't pick up that fifth-year option yet, I'd say that's a little bit troubling.
1: And how could they be optimistic, the odds makers or beyond? We haven't seen much from Jordan Love. I do think that... This is really going to prove whether having those years behind somebody, whether having those years to grow and learn without actually being the thrust into the spotlight is the better tactic or whether what most quarterbacks have happened to them now in this day and age where you just get thrown to the wolves and see how it pans out. I do think Jordan love, if he has any semblance of talent, if he really could pan out here to be an NFL quarterback, he certainly has had the opportunity to refine his skills, even though we haven't seen it. So maybe he ends up being much better than any of us realize. I just don't know why we would all from the outside looking in, be expected to have much optimism because first of all, it would be pretty inconceivable for Lightning to strike again for that franchise. I mean, already going from Favre to Aaron Rodgers was remarkable. Now they're gonna go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love and not lose a step. I think there's an element of that. That it's just inconceivable. It's hard for us to even just imagine that there would be that much good that would come to one NFL team. We never see that happen back to back to back. So there's that component of it. And then also just not seeing Jordan Love play football. So there's that component of it as well. Aaron Rodgers didn't miss a ton of time here in the last three years. So we'll see what Jordan Love actually looks like when if he you takes were the Green reins. Bay,
2: If you were Green Bay, would you be okay if Jordan Love turned into Jeff Garcia? Because the Niners went Montana, Young, Garcia. And Garcia's right. always lost in the fold, but he was not bad.
1: He's not bad. Uh, they should be. They won't be. They should be. But they won't be. Right? Because okay. it, Because... Joe Montana's don't grow on trees. Aaron Rodgers don't grow on trees. Brett Favre doesn't, doesn't, you know, like they don't, these guys don't grow on trees, but it feels like they do when you have that wealth at the quarterback position in your franchise for decades and decades and decades, which is quite literally generations of Packers fans don't know what it's like to just have an average quarterback. Nevertheless, a below-average one. So let's hope, for their sake, Jordan loves above-average. There was a report last week that Patriots head coach Bill Belichick traded back with the Steelers in the first round of April's draft just to mess with the Jets because he knew Pittsburgh would take tackle Broderick Jones, who everybody believed that the Jets were high on. Head coach Robert Sala says it didn't matter because they would have drafted Will McDonald the fourth either way.
3: The difference between 13 and 15 and the way everything shook out made no difference to us. First and foremost, we're always going to take the best player available when it presents itself. And, you know, you can make an argument that best available wasn't a need. Well, it doesn't change what you do. It just for the last two years, everybody we've drafted seemed to be a need. Best available now doesn't necessarily mean you need it, but you never want to pass up somebody who you think can change a game for you.
2: Yeah, Nick, a little premature on the sound there. Uh, that's all right. A little trigger finger happy there happy today. There. today yeah. uh-huh.
1: That's
2: right. Uh, all right, Amber, do you believe Salad at all here?
1: Uh, No, I don't. But also, he is doing the exact right thing by saying that. I mean, what the heck else is he going to say? Oh, yeah, it worked. Bill Belichick messing with us. He really got one over on us. Of course he's going to say, no, we were going to draft our guy no matter what. That's the right thing to say. And you have to instill that kind of confidence in in the player you did draft, who is this Will McDonald the fourth? I, I I have no, I, I who knows what any of these draft boards actually look like, but it seems like a pretty good story. I want it to be true. I want coaches to do this to each other just to mess with each other and for no other real reason. I think that's funny, so I think I want this to be true, but also if it is true, we'd never know.
2: I've never heard a coach come out and admit that they're not happy with the pick they got, right? Right. Like, do you think Indianapolis is going to come out and be like, man, we're really upset it was Anthony Richardson. We were hoping for CJ Stroud. Like, no, that's never, ever going to happen. How excited they get when they might be BSing you is another story. So ultimately, we have no idea. I think Salah's doing what he's supposed to be doing, like Amber said, but I do think that they ended up getting jacked there. And that's not the first time the Patriots have pulled something like that. One of the all-time greats, if you go back in time, I don't know what the year is, but The Patriots traded up, if memory serves me correctly, one spot in front of the Baltimore Ravens to draft Rob Gronkowski. And people would go, well, how do you know Baltimore wanted Rob Gronkowski? Because Baltimore took two tight ends in that draft. They took Ed Dixon out of Oregon, and they took Dennis Pitta out of BYU. And the thought process is the Patriots knew the Ravens wanted Gronk, and they traded up right in front of them right before they got on the clock so they could grab Gronk. And think about what might have been had they not pulled that move.
1: But the Patriots there, at least it seems like, really wanted Grog. Here it feels like that Bill Belichick's also just trying to mess with a division opponent, right? Like, he's just trying to prevent the division opponent from getting who they want also – but that's maybe the competitive advantage that the Patriots have to play at this point, because otherwise, I don't know if they have much of one. Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. The Celtics were pretty much run out of the building by the Sixers in Game Five last night. It's crazy. Did you see all the fans that were leaving early, Joe? I thought that only happens in Miami. That performance, tough Boston,
2: tough performance.
1: I mean, I've been saying perfor- all
2: along the Sixers are an unstoppable force.
1: Uh, you haven't actually ever said that, and that is your team. The performance by Boston has many wondering about what's going on with Joe Missoula, including Jay Williams this morning on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max.
2: I really feel like Joe Mazzula has lost the locker room. It feels like Joe Mazzula is in over his head, and I'm going to tell you something. What have we seen throughout the course of these playoffs that we talk about daily? We talk about your Lakers. We talk about the Golden State Warriors. That chess match that we see between Darvin Ham and Steve Kerr. Okay, Like, let me change up strategies. You're seeing counter after counter after counter. Where's the counters with Joe Mizzoula? Joe, does it seem like the players are out on Mizzoula? I wouldn't go that far. I would say that he's in over his head and that that's what you should expect from a rookie coach in the second round of the playoffs against a team that features the MVP in Joel Embiid and a championship winning coach in Doc Rivers. Say what you want about Doc. He's got a hell of a resume. He knows how to coach. Is he the greatest of all time? No, but he is a quality head coach and Missoula is in over his head. And we're seeing that night in and night out. The Celtics looked disjointed last night. The Sixers jumped all over him, and they didn't have a counter. So I wouldn't say the locker room has checked out on them. I think that's a completely different thing when you're talking about dysfunctional franchises and lack of effort. I don't think effort's the problem for the Celtics. I just don't think they're as prepared on the court X's and O's or motivationally as we've seen in the past. And as a result, Philadelphia is taking advantage.
1: I do think that there's some issues here with Joe Mazula. I do even think that the way that he's sort of handled the media here in the postseason, there's been some moments where he has seemed frustrated by either things that they are not asking or things that they, in fact, are asking him. There's been some moments where it's obvious this is a very young coach. He's, what, 34 years old, I think, Joe Mazula. He's a rookie head coach. There's going to be those growing pains. We didn't see any of it in the regular season when the Celtics were dominating the NBA, but we're seeing it in the postseason because the postseason is a different animal and postseason basketball is a different animal. That being said, I don't believe that the players are lost or they don't get up for a coach in the postseason, right? Like maybe you could lose the locker room in the regular season, but you're telling me that these guys aren't motivated to get to another Eastern Conference Finals because they're lost with Joe Mazula. Like, his pep talks aren't working for them anymore. I just have a hard time buying that. It's the game plan that might not be working. The postseason game plan, there might be some deficiencies from him as a head coach that aren't working that I can buy into. I don't know if I can buy into this idea that him as a cheerleader in the locker room is somehow losing the locker room at this very pivotal point in the season. I would imagine those guys who are professionals and were just in an NBA finals last year, probably are going to be highly motivated no matter who the heck their coach is. coming up next year on Joe and Amber, an international showdown between two of the show's favorite teams was announced today Are James and I going to Germany? That is next. This is ESPN Radio.
3: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
1: NFL will release its 2023 regular season schedule tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. Some games, however have already been leaked we know how leaking season works as we head into those nfl schedule releases we will get into what we do know about the upcoming nfl schedule already but first joe's gonna try to earn you a little bit more money
3: pizza money alert
1: pizza pizza
2: Let's do some hockey here. Game four between the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to take the puck line with the Oilers at a price of plus 122. So what that means is the Oilers have to win this game by two or more goals in order for the bet to cash. They just got hammered at home by Vegas in game three. That's the fourth time they've lost this postseason. In the previous three losses, they've responded the next game out by going 3-0 and while outscoring the opposition 14 goals to 7 goals. This offense is an absolute freight train. Vegas has achieved what they set out to achieve, which was to reclaim home ice advantage after they won game three in Edmonton. Pizza money number four. The Edmonton Oilers on the puck line, plus 122 against the Vegas Golden Knights tonight.
1: So I mentioned that tomorrow is the big day for the NFL schedule release. ESPN 2 is going to air a two-hour special tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern to highlight the regular season schedule and the Monday night football slate. ESPN Plus is going to air a separate special on the schedule at the same time. Joe Fortenbaugh is going to be on air for daily wager and beyond tomorrow for like five starring, hours,
2: starring starring in that show, I will be Star- st- it's, so it's which a one starring are you starring role. in the ESPN, it's the ESPN two one or, or the plus? plus show? The two hour okay. ESPN plus show, uh, eight p.m. Eastern, ESPN plus. I will be starring. There will be bit. There will be other people playing bit roles, but I will be starring.
1: Well, there you go. So Joe Fortenbaugh. Es starring on ESPN Plus tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern. Make sure that you definitely check that out. We do have some information, though, ahead of Joe's fantastic show tomorrow night on what this 2023 upcoming season is going to look like. We know, Joe, that Thursday night football is going to look a little different because teams on Thursday night football, they can play twice. Not every team is guaranteed to play on primetime on Thursday. That's certainly going to make for some interesting changes because I think one of the things with the Thursday night football is like, we would in these like you know, you get the Texans in there and the you know, whatever, the Falcons and you're just so bored by it because every team has to has to get represented there and now they don't have to play that game. They can put some of the bigger matchups on Thursday night and and even some repeats if that's what works.
2: Part of those, part of the problem with Thursday night is what you just said. You get some matchups where if everyone has to play, yes, you're going to get the Texans and you're going to get some really poor teams on there, the commanders, things like that. The real problem with Thursday night football is that you cannot have a high quality product in the NFL on a four day turnaround. It's just too much to ask from a preparation standpoint, from a travel standpoint, from a health standpoint, having teams play on Sunday and then four nights later, on Thursday is a problem. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to be difficult to do, but I think one of the best moves the schedule makers could come up with is having teams that play on Thursday night, have them play on Thursday when they're coming off their bye week. So say for example, you play in week six and then week seven, you have a buy go ahead and get the Thursday night game for week eight. That means you've got a week plus of preparation for that game, time to get healthy. I know some of the teams would be upset because they want to go on vacation during the bye, but that would make the product far better on Thursday night. Having teams play two, multiple games on a Thursday night, I can't imagine those teams are going to be very happy with that draw.
1: Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. There's some interesting additions, some new football. We already had Thursday night football. We didn't have Black Friday football. We do now. The Dolphins at the Jets. On Black Friday, to Tungvaluwa, Aaron Rodgers, and the New York Jets there for Black Friday.
2: I feel a little dirty getting excited about this because college uh-huh. football has normally gone ahead and owned Black Friday. LSU Arkansas plays in that spot. Sometimes maybe we get the Egg Bowl between Ole Miss and Mississippi mm-hmm. State. So now the NFL is kind of hoarding in, but... At the same time, I'm going to watch that game and I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, We have point spreads on these games as well. The Jets are only a a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Miami at that stage of the season. So with Aaron Rodgers and with home field advantage on a short week, you're not even laying the traditional full three points for home field advantage. That's a very good sign for Miami. That's a lot of respect for Miami right there.
1: Well, there you go. As they should show, as they show, as they show, how dare you? Uh, You'll get plenty more of that sort of analysis again, 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow (laughs) on ESPN plus Christmas day. You will get giants at Eagles at Joe's Philadelphia Eagles. Are you excited to spend your Christmas watching your Eagles?
2: It's an easy route. It's an easy watch. That's what I like with Eagle games and with a lot of my teams. There are the games where you know you have to lock in. The road game at Dallas. I believe there might be a rematch with some big match. I think they play the Niners again this year. That's a big game you have to lock in. You have to clear the schedule. You have to watch your diet. You got to stretch a little bit before the game. And then it's four quarters of hardcore football. For the Eagles to play the Giants on Christmas, that's an easy, casual Family-friendly watch. Philly jumps out early. They continue to pull away. It's a double-digit win. I'd say triple digits, but there's only 60 minutes of the football game. Nice, casual eagle route on Christmas. Yeah, that's
1: an obnoxious uh, Philadelphia fan, if I ever heard one. Realistic. Bengals at Chiefs. uh, Maybe James Steele will need to do some stretching uh, on New Year's Eve because that's when he's going to see his Kansas City Chiefs take on the Cincinnati Bengals. James, are you excited about that?
2: Am Am I allowed to talk? Yeah, Chiefs three course. and a half point okay. favorite.
1: Right. They, they, listen, I brought up the Chiefs Sorry. for once, not you. Hey, so uh, uh, you may speak.
0: So
2: so the Cincinnati Mayor had something to say about, about this game, too. The Bengals play the Chiefs week 17. And I've got nothing else to add. And cut. How was that?
0: Yeah, I think that was better than the last time.
2: Yeah, probably a good idea there, Mayor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, that'll be an exciting uh, New Year's Eve. I like these matchups that we're getting on these holidays. That's fun. You're also going to get 14 playoff rematches from the 2022 season carrying over to this regular season, including a reprise of the Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Chiefs, of course. So you get a lot of the big matches, of course, that we all want to see in the regular season. And then there's the international games. Falcons at Jags. October 1st, that's week four, at Wembley. Then the jogs are just going to stay there in London. They're going to then go down the street to Tottenham and play on October 8th against the Bills. You've got Ravens and Titans.
2: Let me jump in real quick there. That is a big advantage for Jacksonville to get situated in London, spend two weeks there, and one of, and one of their toughest matchups of the year against the Bills. The Bills are going to come in and have to get acclimated to the time zone change. Jacksonville is already going to be there with a game under their belt set. That is a tough spot for Buffalo. Yeah, I
1: think a lot of people will jump to the conclusion, oh, that sucks for the Jags, that you know they're going to have to spend multiple weeks back-to-back games games there in England and I'm thinking I don't know I feel like that that's a good thing for them because yes you're right it's a formidable opponent coming in in Buffalo and they will have already been there they will be ready for it they are fully adjusted like you said I think it might be Advantage Jags there. And plus, that's London's team now. That's England's team, those Jacksonville yeah. Jags. Nothing says London like Jacksonville. Ravens nothing says the Titans. royal
2: family like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like the Jacksonville
1: Jaguars. Ravens at Titans. That'll be October 15th in London. Dolphins, Chiefs in Frankfurt, Germany. It, it, the the uh, James is certainly... Flying us over to Frankfurt, we are watching that game in Germany together. Colts and Patriot, also in Frankfurt Stadium. Feels in a little subtle that we're
2: sending the Patriots over to visit the Germans, but maybe the that's Germans.
1: just me. Oh, it's oh, there is some oh, irony there, isn't there?
3: Joe and Amber, the podcast.